This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. It's always mornings or afternoons, but she strategically goes when nobody else is going to be there because she's embarrassed. She doesn't want to run into anybody else. She doesn't have a great, a great reputation. And she, de- she really doesn't want to deal with the look. the day, hoping that nobody is going to be there when she runs into this man. The only hope that she has is that this man is actually a Jewish man, and she's a Samaritan, so Jewish people and Samaritans, they don't get along. They don't speak to each other. So the only hope that she has is that this man wouldn't say a word to her. She would just go, go about her day. Do what she has to do and leave, get out of there, and another day without running into anybody, another day without anybody speaking to her, another day without anybody throwing her past in her face, her mistakes in her face. Because see, she's been divorced about four or five times. Except for this Jewish man does speak to her. And his name is Jesus, and he says, fetch me some water, get me some water too. And she says, how are you going to draw any water out? And you don't even have a bucket. You don't even have a pail. And then Jesus responds with, if you knew who was speaking to you, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't only get me water, but you would ask me to give you water because I can give you living water. And she begins to question, who is this man? How could he dare talk to me, a Samaritan woman, him being a Jewish man? And he goes on to explain to her her past. He says, why don't you tell me about your husband? Bring your husband to me. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You're actually on your fifth man and you're not married. Imagine the shame. Imagine being in front of Jesus. Jesus speaking to you. And he bring up something like that. That's got to be embarrassing. It's got to be shameful. But Jesus only did it to show who he was. And the first question that she asked Jesus, as soon as she finds out who Jesus is, the son of God, the creator, as soon as she finds out who Jesus is, she asked him a question that probably a lot of people down south will probably end up asking Jesus. And the question was, how do you say we're supposed to worship? That's a pretty touchy subject down here in the south, huh? How are we supposed to worship? Because y'all say that we're supposed to worship here, but we say that we're supposed to worship here. And Jesus goes on to explain to her what the true meaning of worship is. And that's what we're going to get into this morning. As we continue our series of building blocks, I want to explain to you what worship truly is. I know we do worship um, a little bit differently than what most churches do around here, and I absolutely love it. I, I, I love that we are different. I love that we do things differently, and I love that we have an incredible band. So if you would, get your notes out. Go to John chapter 4, and we're going to talk about worship today. John chapter 4. I just want to read to you uh, verses 20 through 24, but first we'll pray while you guys find it. 
God, we thank you so much for your presence that we've already felt and enjoyed in this place this morning. We just ask you, God, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives this morning. God, help us understand your word. Help us receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. We'll start in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where we're not to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We what we worship. We know, excuse me, what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. I got to get the glasses out. Quit forgetting. Okay, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Highlight that. The Father is, or, or the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, highlight true worshipers, will worship the Father and then highlight in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I'm going to explain to you three things quickly what worship is not. Number one, worship is not, was not meant to divide. Worship was never meant to divide churches, to divide people. Well, we, we're, God knows that you're only supposed to worship with the piano and in hymns. Or God knows that, you know, or I know that God loves the drums. That's what I believe. I, I believe God loves the drums and loves the electric guitar. But I also believe that God loves the piano and God loves the hymns. So worship was never meant to divide people and say, I'm, I'm going to worship, you know, my style and every other style is wrong. That's not what worship was meant to do, was not never meant to divide people, but was always meant to bring people together. You with me? So we're not going to get caught up on, well, you guys worship like this and you guys worship like that. And, and this is obviously God and this is obviously the devil. You know, we're not going to listen to any of that junk. We're not going to argue about that. We're not going to try to defend the way we worship to anybody because we simply don't have to. You know, I feel the presence of God. You feel the presence of God. We're not going to try to focus on things that divide us. We're going to focus on things that unite us. And worship was never intended to divide us. Worship was never intended to divide churches and divide people. was never intended to divide generations. That's the biggest problem in the church in the South today is it's dividing generations because older generations believe it's only the piano and it's only the hymns and the younger generations do want the drums and the guitar. And we're allowing and generations are allowing that beliefs and and those wants and desires to divide them, to separate them, to break them up. And it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to unite us. It's supposed to bring us together. You with me? Worship was never meant to divide us. Number two, worship is not limited to songs and music. You know, worship isn't a genre. 
I know you can get on Pandora and type in worship music, and then a lot of Hillsong United and Hillsong and Bethel and Gateway and Elevation Worship and all of these guys come up. But worship is not limited to songs and music. We worship outside, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but it's not just songs and music. When we worship, or worship is not only what we experience today or what we experience at church Sunday mornings. Worship is so much greater, is so much bigger than just a few songs that people throw together and write for corporate worship. Number three is worship is not limited to corporate worship. Corporate worship is, is what we're doing here in this place today. It's whenever the church comes together and we gather in a building and we unitedly sing songs and we go with the same band or whatever. That's what corporate worship is. doesn't matter what kind of band you have, what kind of music you're playing. But what corporate worship is, is just whenever a church comes together and worships together, sings songs, sings praise to God. And I want you to know that worship is not limited to this, if, if the only time we're worshiping God is through corporate worship, then man, we are really, really missing the mark by a mile. We are missing the understanding and missing what worship truly is by a mile. You with me? So worship was not meant to divide. Worship is not limited to songs and music. And number three, worship is not limited to corporate Worship, But I do want to explain to you guys the importance of corporate worship, why it is important that we do come here together and that we do worship together and that we do sing songs of praise to God together. And uh, to help me do that today, I have I was able to get a hold of a really, really good friend of mine who I believe is the best worship pastor that I have ever had the privilege of ever coming across Um, He's an incredible guy. His heart for God and his heart for Jesus are amazing. And his talent, oh my gosh, his talent is amazing. The dude can shred the guitar. He's an amazing teacher, um, a great singer, and I just love him to death. And to help me today to explain to you why corporate worship is so important, our very own Joshua Cannon. Oh, there I am. Good morning, church. Um, I just really want to say real quick before I go into that. Um, I know a lot of you might not really know me on a personal level. Maybe you just see me as the guy who just sings the songs. But I just want to say really quick that um, I don't know a whole lot of you on a personal level, but I do know a whole lot of your kids because I have the opportunity and the privilege to get to work with them throughout the week. I get to spend a whole lot of time with them. And um, I just want to say, you know, you can, you can tell a lot about who someone is by how their kids are. And I want you guys to know that your kids are so awesome. Um, I love them so much. I get to, you know, when we're in that room on Wednesday nights, we, they are worshiping. They are great worshipers. Like, you might walk in sometimes and we're like smashing eggs on our heads or uh, <laughs> like jumping up and down or whatever, you know. Um, but... We're really, we're doing some awesome stuff in there. We're teaching them right out of the Bible every week. Um, we, uh, 
every week, man, they're, they're worshiping their hearts out. And I just want you guys to know that your kids are awesome. And I thank you guys for that. And if I don't know you, but I know your kids, I respect you so much because of who your kids are. And I, and I just want to say that. So thank you for that. But... <laughs> But to answer the question of uh, why is corporate worship important, I got so much stuff up here. <laughs> but uh, really, the main reason is uh, because the Bible tells us to. If you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So why is corporate worship so important? Because, basically because the Bible tells us to do it. <laughs> that's, that's a good enough reason right there. But I just want to say, you know, for me, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to lead in worship, not behind a mic, but uh, since I was about 11 years old, I've been a part of a worship team. And I've got the opportunity to see a lot of really, really cool things. And a lot of people give their lives to God. And, and you know, for me personally, like, it was right here at this step that I gave my life to God. It was like at a lock-in or something like that, like when I was 9 or 10 years old. And for a lot of you probably, and if not, then I know for a lot of those kids in that room, the time, the turning point in your life, the, the, the moment that you gave your life to God was most likely in a worship setting. And, um, and you know, like this verse says, <clears throat> it says, uh, do not stop meeting with, one, with other believers. And the reason for that is because when you get into a place where a whole bunch of people are together, they want to worship God, they love God, man, God just can open up so many doors. And like the music, man, like for me, I love music. Um, you know, whenever we say that really powerful line that might speak to your heart or uh, when we play that one song, I don't know. But something just stirs up inside of you. And whenever there's a whole, lot, a whole lot of people who are there to worship the same God, man, God is, God is excited to move in that moment. Which that leads me to my second point. Um, when we are stale, we're able to feed off of others. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Like EJ always says, uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Split your Bible in half and go a little bit to the right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. It says, for where two, and this is a famous scripture. If you want to highlight this, or all these scriptures are really good. But it says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, you know, like I have the opportunity, you know, I stand right here and worship. You know, I get the best view out of everybody. I could see it, all the, you know, the beautiful the, <laughs> and the, the not so beautiful I, you know, I get to see all of it, and, and you know, um, I know how a lot of you guys feel, I mean, I only see your faces, but, 
like, whenever, you know, I've struggled with it for a long time. Sometimes, after a, lot, a while of coming to church, you just kind of feel numb. And, you know, I know I'm not the only one that's ever felt like that. But, you know, we, we kind of feel like we're going through the motions sometimes. Maybe that line that EJ says doesn't really speak to you like it should. Or maybe the song that <laughs> Just kidding. Or not really. But, or maybe like the song, your favorite song doesn't really, doesn't really hit you like, like it usually does. And, uh, you know, like this says, whenever you're stale, we're able to feed off of others. So whenever you're feeling like that, whenever you feel like you don't, you don't feel like worshiping, you don't really, you're not in the best of moods or whatever, just look around you. Because I just, I'm very, very proud to say that our church has some amazing worshipers. And I love getting to stand right here and look at you guys because it's a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, for me personally, whenever, like, what makes me want to lift my hands or sing louder or to give God, you know, dive right into his presence or whatever is not whenever the worship leader says, like, this really awesome prayer or whenever my favorite song comes on. But it's whenever, what encourages me the most is whenever the person that's standing right next to me is singing really loud and lifting their hands. And, man, like, that to me is just like the, it's like the green light to just go. But it's so much harder whenever the person next to you is, you know, it's so much harder to give, to, to give God everything you have because, you know, there's all kinds of things, you know, maybe you're worried about what they might think about you. I don't know. But, but I just want to encourage you, church, when we're in worship, to just open yourselves up to God and um, because your worship can encourage everyone else's worship which leads to my next point um, worship or corporate worship gives us the opportunity to serve others um, so like I was just saying you know whenever you're lifting your hands or singing next to someone else man that and that encourages them to lift their hands and start worshiping as well that's a form of serving and I know a lot of people's worst nightmare is uh, praying for somebody. And, um, man, you don't, have to, you don't have to be some super spiritual person to pray for somebody. But, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times, like, I have been going through something. And uh, I've been praying about it for a long time. And a good friend or somebody, because of their obedience to God, prays over me over exact, without me telling them anything about what I'm going through. They pray over the exact situation in my life that I'm praying about. And, and I mean, that's happened several times in my life, and I know for a fact that's happened in some of y'all's lives because I, I've been told. But, and maybe, maybe that's not the case, but if you don't know what to pray for somebody about, just ask them. Like, just say, you know, is there anything you want me to pray about over your life? And, I mean, that's okay. It's okay to do that. And man, prayer is just so powerful, and worship is the perfect opportunity to do that. And this is just like the uh, corporate worship, man. And like the big picture, your worship outside of church, can, God can call you to do some crazy, awesome things and, and um, to, to, to serve other people. And it's up to your obedience to him to do that and to submit to him. And, and um, yeah, and you can serve others. And then... Um, my last point is, uh, well, go with me to Psalms uh, chapter 29, the very middle of the Bible. So 
Psalms chapter 29, verse uh, 2. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So my last point is corporate worship. The reason why we do it is because whoops, um, is because uh, God is so worth it and he's worth so much more. And, um, you know, all of this music, the lights, the, the drapes on the walls and the huge cross in the back, you know, <clears throat> that's all cool, but I really don't believe that, that God looks down and he's like, I don't think that God's impressed with any of this. I think, I, I don't think God is like, oh, dude, hear that, hear that sweet bass lick? I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> he's not, I mean, I'm impressed with that, but I mean, I don't think God is really impressed with that. And just by the way, the people that are up here uh, with me during worship, not just who is up here today, but like all the people that are involved, the people that you might have only seen play up here once, they probably put in a whole lot more work than what you probably think. Uh, I'm down here every single night except for Wednesday. We're practicing every single night except for Wednesdays only because we have service with all these kids. And, and not only in practice, but they go home and they put more of their time and their, their own sacrifice to, to make worship just a great environment for you guys. And and uh, they deserve y'all's love, by the way. They're awesome people. But, um, but all of this, you know, the reason why we practice so much, the reason why we set up all these lights and the drapes is not, not just because, you know, we want to sound great or we want to look good. We want you guys to think that we're cool or anything. But it's, it's because we're just giving our very best, our sacrifice to God. We're putting our time, we're putting our efforts into and, and just making this place a great environment for you guys to worship God and um and God sees that man God sees our your sacrifice God sees you know you guys working throughout the whole week for your families your jobs or whatever and coming down here and then bringing your children every week man God loves that and whenever we're all in this same place together God's not looking at how awesome it looks but he's looking at every single one of us giving our very best to God and and he just loves that so much and, uh, you know, a lot of people will be like, <clears throat> man, like, well, like this verse says, it says to uh, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. God is worthy of so much. He's worthy of what we do here and so much more. So, you know, when people are like, man, I really hate it when he tells me to lift my hands or when he tells me to pray for somebody or whatever. You know, that's just not my style. I'm not really comfortable doing that. I just want you to know, man, um, I understand, you know, we're all from, we all grew up maybe in different church backgrounds, including myself. But, I mean, God is worthy. I mean, God, God has done so much. Think about what God has done in your own life. And, and man, God sacrificed everything for us. So I think, you know, we can build up, you know, a little bit of courage <laughs> to maybe pray for somebody or to lift your hands. Because God, and as there's nothing magic with lifting your hands. We don't do that just because it looks good or anything like that. Man, <clears throat> when you're lifting your hands or whenever you pray for somebody, that's letting God use you. God, God, whenever you open up like that to God, you're saying, God, I surrender. And God, whenever you give that opportunity to him, 
that's whenever he moves at his greatest. So let's do that, church. Let's give God everything we have when we're at worship and uh, because he is worthy of all of it and so much more. Thank you so much, church. So I just want to say a couple of words before, before he leaves. Uh, I'm going to say them to Josh, but I want to say them in front of all of you guys. Josh, I just, want to know, I just want you to know that we love you, that we believe in you, we believe in your calling, we believe in your purpose. We appreciate all of the work that you do here week in and week out. And we believe with all of our hearts that your best days, that your greatest days as a worship leader, as a worship pastor, are ahead of you, not behind you. We believe that God has great plans for you. We believe that God is going to do incredible things with you and through you. Keep working hard. Keep grinding. We love you, man. I know it's obvious, but just in case you didn't know, Josh is our worship pastor. He has been our worship pastor now for about a year and a half. Uh, He's done an incredible job, man, just taking a big load off of me and uh, has done it better than I could have ever tried to do it. And uh, I I, I love him very, very much. So we're going to get into our last part of the the message today. And I want to teach you very quickly, how do we worship in spirit and in truth? Jesus tells this lady, he says, the day is coming when God is going to find true worshipers that are going to worship in spirit. And in truth, I'm a church kid. I'm a preacher's kid, actually. Grew up in church, and I heard this message, and I heard this sermon, and I heard this scripture so many, so many times. And, and, uh, and preachers would, would scream it out. We got to worship God in spirit and in truth. And hey, man, and everybody gets excited, but nobody has any idea what he's really saying because it's just one of those words that's thrown out there. And I want to explain it to you very quickly. Number one, we find in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I do encourage you to, let's go ahead and go there. We got, we got plenty of time. Josh, Josh didn't take near as much time as what I thought he was going to take. I'm kidding. I knew how much time Josh was going to take. He did great. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, definitely highlight worthy. Romans, if you're in, uh, I guess you were in Hebrews last. Oh, no, you were in Psalms last. So go to the right, big time to the right. It's in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That's such a cool word. I love that word. Anyways, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies at, as you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, reasonable worship, or some may say service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
to worship God in spirit and in truth, we have to understand, again, worship is so much greater and so much more than just songs and music. It's so much more than, than just here on Sundays or Wednesdays, but it's actually a lifestyle. It's the way that I walk with God every single day. That is my worship. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, again, he says, whenever we present our bodies to God and we present our lives to God, then that is our worship. I worship God, again, not just songs and not just through music, but I worship God with my obedience to God. You with me? So for most of us, Hopefully for most of us, our greatest, our greatest moments of worship won't be actually in church. It won't be through a song. And our greatest moments of worship won't be like what Josh said, when that song hits our soul just right. But it'll actually be our steps of obedience that we have taken with God. Maybe for some of us, our worship looks like we don't cuss near as much as what we used to. And hopefully one day we'll just completely cut it out, huh? Even when we are mad. Maybe for some of us, our worship looks like we quit smoking, we quit dipping, we quit, we quit cheating, we quit lying, we quit abusing. Those are forms of worship. Every step in obedience that we take with God, that is our worship. And again, it can be these huge, gigantic steps, but it can also be these small, minute steps that maybe nobody else sees, nobody else will ever comprehend or ever think about. But we took them. We took that step of obedience. Maybe it's just as, as little as, as even or, or as big, whatever, um, as setting aside the tithe, the 10 percent. To give to God. We've never understood it. We never did it before. But now we want to worship. We want to take that step of obedience. So we're going to do that. That is our worship. It's not only songs and music. But it is the way that I live. It is my walk with God. And you see we have to get this part right. If we don't get our worship, our, our lifestyle and our walk with God right then this is what God is going to, or Jesus is going to say about us. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, and Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, both say the same thing. But let's go to Matthew because it's a little bit easier to find, actually pretty, and easier to, uh, to understand too. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. This is a reference to Isaiah. Verse 7, he says, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth. Or maybe some say, honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. These people draw near, near to me, excuse me, with their mouth or with their lips. In other words, they're saying all of the right words and they're singing all of the right songs, but their heart 
is far from me. You've heard me say it a hundred times. It doesn't matter what we know about the Bible. What matters is what we live out about the Bible. And if we never understand that worship is greater than songs, that it's actually a lifestyle and it's actually the way that we walk with Jesus, then this is who we will be. And Jesus, not EJ, not the church, but Jesus says that if all you do is sing it, but you don't live it, he says we're what? Hypocrites. Verse 7. Hypocrites, he says. When our lips honor him, but our hearts are far from him. So worship is not, again, a genre. It's not just songs and music. And it's not limited to inside of this building or inside of any building. But worship, true worship in spirit and in truth is the way that I'm living my life out daily. Maybe the problem with the worship and with the music here at church isn't that it's too loud, isn't that it's too big, isn't the drums, isn't the track behind, isn't because they're not playing the right song. Maybe it's because our hearts aren't right. Maybe the reason we don't feel God and maybe the reason we can't lift up our hands or when we do lift up our hands, we don't feel anything. Maybe the reason God isn't moving in my life or in your life isn't because the worship band and everything else is so terrible. Maybe it's because I'm honoring God with my lips, with my mouth, but my heart is far from him. Talk is so cheap, man. It's so cheap. And just a side note, fathers, tell your, da- tell your little girls, tell your little boys of them how pretty and how strong they are so they don't believe every little idiot that tells them. Please. Talk is so cheap. All of these boys got some games spitting out some lines and these poor girls that never heard it from anybody else believes them. I don't even know why I just went on that rant. Just felt like it was it just fit well right there. Oh, because talk is cheap. That's why. Talk is cheap. And we can say things, and we can talk about things, and we can sing the right words. We can sing the right songs. But if we're not living it out, if we're not walking it out, then we'll get this worship thing right we'll never get it down and it doesn't matter what worship service we're in doesn't matter what songs are played doesn't matter how great the music is if all we're doing is honoring God with our lips but not with our hearts we'll never see a difference I grew up I grew up here man I grew up in church and I watched people For 20 years plus, come to church. And for 20 years plus, still fall into the same sin. Why? Is it because God isn't powerful enough? Is it because God isn't good? Is it because God isn't strong enough? Or is it because we honor God with our lips and our mouths, but we don't honor him with our hearts? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of struggling with the same issue over and over and over again. 
I don't know about you, but I'm tired of not changing. I don't want to just honor God with my lips, but I want my heart to be right there with him. Matthew chapter four. Just read Matthew chapter four. We're not going to go there, but I I do encourage you to read it. Most of us have probably heard about it. It's when Jesus gets tempted. And Jesus had been fasting for several days. And uh, the devil shows up and tempts Jesus. And one of the things that, that the devil tempts Jesus with is he says, if you'll just fall down and worship me. On top of this huge mountain, he says, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you all of these kingdoms. You won't. And this is what you got to understand. What what devil, what the devil is actually telling them is if you'll just fall down and worship me just one time, you won't have to carry the cross. You won't have to die on the cross. You won't have to be beaten. You won't have to hang on the cross. And we know that Jesus didn't want to carry the cross. Matter of fact, Jesus cried and he was sweating drops of blood because he was so stressed out. And he asked God, if there is any other way that salvation can come, please, let's do that. I don't want to do this. He ends the prayer, of course, with, but not my will be done, but yours. Jesus didn't want to carry the cross. He didn't want to walk up that hill. He didn't want to be beaten. That was just the last effort. That was definitely plan B or C or D or E. And so when Satan shows him everything and he says, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. You won't have to carry the cross. You won't have to be abused. You won't have to be mocked. They won't have to spit on you. You don't have to be pierced by nails. You don't have to be whipped. If you'll just fall down and worship me, all of that can be erased. It's all over. You don't have to do anything. I'll give up. You can have it all. Jesus responds with, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. You see, what worship is, by definition, what worship is, is when we basically place something up on a pedestal. When we say, this is more important to me than anything else is. When we give reverence to something or someone. You see, and here's the issue that we have today. Today, parents are worshiping their kids, actually. And kids are more important than anyone and anything. And we're not worshiping God anymore. We're worshiping our finances and we're saying that my job and my work and my money and what I get to do with my money is more important than anything. That's why we don't give to the church. That's why we don't give our tithes. Not because we don't make enough, not because there's not enough money to go around, but because we're saying this right here is way more important than God and the church. And we're worshiping. We're making that our idol. We're making that our God. And everything that we do and every decision that we make revolves around this. 
We're making our trucks and our homes. We're making our reputations. We're making everything else but God, our God. And when Jesus was tempted to fall down and worship Satan and everything would go away, everything would be okay. He understood, I can't worship you. There's only one God that I can worship. And I just want to ask you this question as we close. What are you being tempted with today? What have you placed up on a pedestal that that has taken the place of God? Is it your kids? Is it your finances? Is it your home? Is it your work? Is it relationships? Whatever it may be, I encourage you this morning. Let's knock it down and let's place God up there. Please visit theremodelchurch.com.